Hello, Facebook. Hello, family. Hello, everybody. This is Danya with the Genealogy Adventure Show. And today we are talking about boundaries. Um, I want to introduce our co-host, our special guest. Um, just like Sharon was last week, you are meeting the fourth and final part of the Sheila Hightower Allen DNA Memorial um, team. So it's me and Brian, Sarah, Hi, everyone. Uh, not Sarah, Hi, uh, Sharon, and finally, Loretta, Loretta Bellamy. Say hi. Hi. Okay, so Brian, let's, let's give it over to you and so we can talk about what boundaries we're doing. Oh, no, this is you. Remember, you're introducing this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So we're going to talk about boundaries today, guys. We're going to talk about why we can't find our families in certain areas and come to find out they didn't live in the area that we thought. Um, basically, for example, um, I know of one of my white relatives, William Yeldale. He he lived in the Edgefield area, and in living in the Edgefield area, he actually never moved from his house. But there's a newspaper clipping that, unfortunately, I could not find, but it actually showed that he had um, lived in three different areas of Edgefield without moving. That was because of the postal lines changing. That was because of every, you know, just all of those things happening and going on. Um <laughs> But so that's what we're going to be talking about today. This was an idea that came through um, Loretta and we are really going to sit and we're going to discuss. So we're going to discuss boundaries. We're going to give you some places that you can check and see how you can find your families and all of those things. So, Brian. Well, the, one of the examples I was going to use is my four times great grandfather, Lewis Matthews, uh, who was born in Edgefield. And I remember when I was when I was searching for him, 1870, not a problem, found him there in Edgefield. But all of a sudden, when I was trying to find his family in 1880, I found a census return for a Lewis Matthews, born in South Carolina. The year was more or less correct. I think it might have been about two years out. Same name for a wife. Most of his kids were there. There were a couple of more kids. But I was really confused because all of a sudden what I was seeing was a census record for a place called McCormick. And I'm like, no, it's not Edgefield. And this, this was pretty early on when I, uh, when I was just learning how to research. So I didn't think it was him until I did a little bit more work about Edgefield County in South Carolina, realized how parts of it had been kind of cannibalized to form other counties, one of which was McCormick. So funnily enough, the 1880 census that I was looking for, for Lewis Matthews, born 18, 1825 or 6, in McCormick, was actually him. Um, but it took me about a good kind of six months to, to realize that, to realize that that was part of his story. So if I hadn't have realized how the boundaries had changed, how parts of one county got cannibalized to form other counties, I wouldn't have been able to been able to pick up that trail. So Loretta, how about you? What is your um example of something like that happening? Well, for me, I think in the process of building my tree, um, if I knew a family member was, let's say, in Greenwood County, um, I conducted my search in Greenwood County only. And let's say if there were hints that popped up with the same family, 
but they were in a different location, sometimes I would discount it because I would say, oh, that's not what I'm looking for. And it turns out it was the same family. And that really, even though one record for one census may say this, another record for another census may say this county, in actuality, like you said, with your William Yeldell, they were still in the same place. It's just the boundary lines change. So my thing is, you know, just be careful. Don't discount somebody just because mm. when it pops up that you're looking in a different county and you'll say, oh, that's not the person that I'm looking for. Well, no, it is the person that you're looking for. And they're actually in the same place that they've always been. Yeah. And I would have to say, even for one of my white ancestors in Southwest Virginia, and it's that part of Virginia that's, that's very, very close to North Carolina, I couldn't work out. I thought he was moving all over the shop because one record he's in Virginia, the next record he was in North Carolina, then it looked like he was back in Virginia. Counties, you know, the, the names of the different counties he was living in were really, really different. And it was really kind of doing my head in at one point because I just, I couldn't understand his story. And then when I started using maps, started printing off maps and looking at them, I started realizing that that particular boundary between Virginia and North Carolina, it was just, it was just doing this. It was just one minute that parcel was from one state, then it was in another. So the kind of interesting thing is this one man and his family looked as though they were hopping all over the place. They never left the land that they were living on. It was the boundaries that changed. And especially if we're dealing with colonial era uh, ancestry, you know, the, the counties that we kind of think of today they were, still in, they were still forming. So you have county lines that were changing. You have parish lines. And especially if you're looking at church records, those were changing. Every, you know, everything is changing. You look at the history of Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, parts of Virginia, the way that those lines were changing, they were actually pretty radical. And to give you another example, I can't tell you the number of times I go to, you know, just check out people's family trees, just to see if I can find out any more information, see if they have any records that I haven't found. But I can look at a record for like a, a Susan James, born 1719 in West Virginia. Well, West Virginia didn't exist until 1863. So that's, that technically that's wrong. She may have ended up dying, in West Virginia after 18, you know, if she died after 1863. But, you know, it, it, it's worth trying to make our trees as accurate as possible for people to use. It's just worth, it's just worth bearing in mind, trying to be as accurate about where they were really born at the time that they were born. Because that's gonna, again, it's gonna affect the kind of records you can find, the ease with which you can find them, the confidence that you have that you're looking at the right record, as Loretta was saying, being confident that you're using the looking at the right record for the right family that you're researching. And yeah. you brought up something too very important, Brian, that I didn't always use as a resource, but it turns out to be one of my best resources, and that's getting a map, getting a map of a particular county, because I'm telling you. It, it it's mind-blowing when you sometimes, especially when you're dealing with the 96th district, it, it was so many different areas from Abbeville, McCormick, Edgeville, Saluda, Greenwood, Lawrence, Union, Spartanburg, part of Cherokee, Newberry, Aiken, Greenville. Those are a lot of names to remember. And sometimes it's easier when you can visualize it and yep. you see it in color. And there are tons of maps out there 
if you print them up, and I know Danya has posted one on Home Place in the very beginning when the site started. If you pull up a map and you can actually see, sometimes it helps you to trace, you know, help you trace your ancestors better when you can get a visual as opposed to trying to remember all the names. Yeah. So um, I want to I want to say hello to all those that are, you know, starting to tune and chime in. We have Vegas. We got Lisa from Vegas. And I just lost Brian. I don't know why, but we're going to get him back. Um, but we got Lisa from Vegas and Martha Marshall, who we just found out we're related to each other through the Brookline. Um, she's saying hello. And then we have Virginia and Merlin. And yes, hello, family. Hello, everybody. And there is Brian. Let me pull him back in. I don't know why he disappeared on us for a minute there, but yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there he is. So I'm I'm gonna have to agree with you guys though on, on what you were saying as far as um those boundary lines and, and how they're changing. And and that's the reason why we're doing this show today to, to really get people to open up to broaden their thoughts as far as um logic logical thinking is concerned because for example, if your family, if you say, oh, um, my grandmother died in Edgefield, South Carolina in 1780. Well, guess what? That's incorrect. She didn't die there. Matter of fact, let me go. Let me even go deeper because I can be personal about it. According to my mom, her father was born in Greenwood, South Carolina in 1894. Well, it wasn't until I started doing my research that Greenwood didn't even exist until 1897. So where did he, where was he born? What was going on? And as far as maps, like Loretta was saying, that like, that's what I started this whole thing out with. Sheila used to always tell me, Donya, you need to learn your, you need to, you need to learn your boundaries. And I would always respond. I don't want to learn my boundaries. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do that. That's that's going into something else. Why can't I just stick to my family? Why can't I just do this? And it wasn't until I finally started listening to what she said that I realized you are sticking to your family, but this is how you're going to find them. So those moments when you say, oh, so-and-so just disappeared all of a sudden, when in actuality he didn't because part of Georgia used to be part of South Carolina. So if part of Georgia used to be part of South Carolina, then guess what? If the lines changed before he that person died and now it is Georgia, they probably still living right there in the same spot. It's just not South Carolina anymore. It's just Georgia. So those are the things that we want to open up, open up your guys' minds to. We have some um, websites we want to share uh, and just that will help you do that kind of research. And we're just going to go from there. So um, who wants to go first? Well, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to kind of build on what you just said. I mean, how many times have we seen a death certificate for an ancestor or, or a relation of ours who was born before the formation of McCormick or Greenville or Greenwood, but died well after, like say in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. But the informant 
put the county thinking about the county that they died in. So they'll put Greenwood. Yeah. The person was born in like 1820, 1823. And we're like, no, that was Edgefield. That was Edgefield. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you guys look at our trees, you're actually seeing certain things on our trees that you're like, oh, no, my family was in Talbert at this particular time or or what have you. And in, in actuality, no, depending on the year that it was going on, wasn't Talbert. It may have been Talbert Township. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but it wasn't Talbert. And that's, well, that's the other thing that people need to realize. It's not always, just because you see Greenwood doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it was actually Greenwood the, Greenwood. City. the city. It was a township, specifically speaking, Edgefield and our research, because all three of us, we research out of Edgefield. So for our Edgefield families that are doing their research, just because you see Greenwood doesn't necessarily mean that that's where it was in Greenwood, the city, depending upon the time period. If it was before 1897, it wasn't mm-hmm. Greenwood, the city. It was Greenwood, the township, the township, but it was still in Edgefield. Mm-hmm. And that is the I can't I can't think of anything that's comparable to that in Virginia. But that is the complicated thing about South Carolina and in, in the old 96 in particular, mm-hmm. because you did have a part of Edgefield County that was called Greenwood. But mm-hmm. it, as Donnie was saying, that was a township. And that tripped me up for the longest time, thinking, yeah. wait a minute. Oh, okay. So you formed an entire county out of it. At first, I thought they formed a county out of a town. And I knew that that just didn't make any sense. But they took that portion of Edgefield, kind of cribbed other parts of surrounding counties, and then made Greenwood you know, Green right. County. Yeah. Yeah. Just like something else that tripped me up was not re- not realizing that a lot of ca- colonial era county names or district names don't even exist anymore. That's like right. before we started the show, I was speaking to Loretta and Donnie just to kind of get a sense of their working practice and using as an example, Barclay County, mm. which doesn't even exist. I'm not even sure if there's a Barclay Township anymore. But I kept seeing all these colonial references to a county that just didn't exist anymore. So when it comes to putting that information in my tree, to remind myself more than anything else, I will put that someone either lived for a period of time in Barclay, but then I will put in parentheses or a comma, now known as whatever name has replaced that, that now defunct name. And again, if any of you are doing genealogy in North Carolina and Virginia, Tennessee and Kentucky, you know this pain because <laughs> there are county names that don't exist anymore. Boundaries have changed all over the place. But again, it, it, it can affect the ease with which we can find the records that we need for you know genealogical proof and in our research. So it's always worth bearing in mind. And I would recommend starting that, you know, I mean, for us who are already in it, but for those who are new to genealogy and just getting into the research before you research another name or 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 click on another leaf stop and take the time to learn the boundaries it'll make mm. a profound effect on your future search we had to learn the hard way we know now <laughs> but for you guys that are just newbies to it like i said before you do any more research stop and just take just just take a couple days weeks and just really go over the boundaries and i'm telling you it'll make a lot of difference in the results that you get and you won't be going around in circles. And especially if your family is anything like our family and you have different family groups 
all contemporaries of each other living in the same time period, all using the same names, mm -hmm. both themselves right. and for their kids. So understanding the, where, exactly where they were living, how those boundaries changed, how the boundary, how those, how the names changed, will give you more confidence that you really are looking at the right record for the right family. Exactly. So with with Brian bringing up the uh, talking about Barclay County, that's gonna that. Let me introduce a link to you guys. Um, this link is called the Evolution of South Carolina, and I will definitely put the link in the comments. Um, what it is, it, it is a, it gives you everything that you need to know from South Carolina's beginning to where it is today. And basically, if you look at it originally back in 1710, South Carolina itself, well, or the Carolinas as a whole, it was one big thing. But by 1729, it broke up into four judicial districts. Barkley was one of them. That's that middle one right there. Um, and I'm, I hope you can see me moving the arrow because it's kind of hard to see the whole thing. But Berkeley County was, was in the middle. But if you notice, right on the end was Granville County. And it was that county that covered every inch of the areas that our families now come from. DNA is proving this. This is why we're doing the DNA thing um, project. But as you scroll down, by 1769, it turned into this. I want to make sure it's doing this. Yes, it's doing it. Okay. Um, it turned into this, and it was seven judicial districts. This one right here is the 96th district. This is us. All of these different things. What you see in white used to be something else, and then it turned into Pendleton. So this is Oakney, this is Pickens, and then those areas then turned into Pendleton. And this is Abbeville, but Abbeville at one point had parts of um, Greenwood and McCormick that was carved from it. These are where these things came from. So this site, which is an awesome site, I'm getting ready to put it in the um, comments right now. This is one of the best, one of the best places that I've come across this, that really allows me to know where our families were at certain times. So I just put that particular comment up and let me remove this. Well, actually, actually, while you're doing that, De Deborah Cross has a really good question. I'm running into people, um, Winges, I believe, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, born in Edgefield, South Carolina and Augusta, Georgia. Also, Augusta is listed in Richmond County and Columbia County. So how do I sort this out? Well, I'm going to repeat what uh, Loretta mentioned and something that I touched on. I would actually try to find the progression of the, the, of the uh, county boundaries for each one of those places, and I would actually print them out. So if you know the township that they lived in, and you're reasonably sure you know the township that they were born in, just look at the map for that time that covers that time period when they when they were born, when they died, when they when they lived. And hopefully that'll help you sort it out. I don't know if the two of you have more advice on that. Yeah, I would agree that that's perfect. That's a perfect way to do it. Yeah, I, I also agree. Um, 
Richmond County, if I'm not mistaken, was a part of Edgefield at one point. Isn't that Augusta? Yes. I believe so. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, though, though that was at one point, that area that you're talking about, Deborah, was actually South Carolina. <laughs> and, and, and it draws right to what we were saying from the beginning. That's an area. So you might want to just do what Brian said. And that I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that, that is. But don't, like I said, the one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is, granted, when we say 96th District and we're talking Edgefield, when you're doing your search on Ancestry, don't be afraid to type in specific areas like McCormick, like Greenville, um, like Aiken. Sometimes your results will come out better. Just don't assume that because you type in Edgefield that what you're looking for is going to pop up. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes you have to narrow it down that ancestry is not going to always pick up, you know, who you're talking about, especially when you're doing with a name like uh, William Holloway. I mean, there's just too many of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Too many of them. Yeah. So if you know your ancestor was in a specific area, don't be afraid to type in that area, McCormick, South Carolina, Edgefield, South Carolina, Aiken, use whatever county that you know, you feel is necessary. Just don't generalize it and put Edgefield because you'll be searching for it ever. Or, you know, as well, Ancestry has that little uh, little kind of neat feature. You've got that sliding bar that allows you to be exact or kind of exact, you know, roughly, sort of, kind of. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, so, so a lot of times when I'm doing research, especially in South Carolina and Edgefield in particular, I won't do exact on Edgefield. I will type in Edgefield County and I'll slide that little bar over just about to where it says exact so I can pull in other things. And a lot of times, you know, I, I will get Abbeville, New, you know, Newbury, McCormick, Greenwood, but that's good because, you know, I need, I need to look at a, wide, a wider range of records that are still pertinent to the wider Edgefield area. And if yeah. you're not sure, if you get um, with me, sometimes I'll get, you know, a hint from another county. And if you're not sure if it's the person, I mean, that's when you have to start nitpicking and comparing family names and things of that nature to see if, you know, this is indeed the person, you know, that you're looking for. And sometimes it takes time, you know, but um, and two, sometimes what helps me is that, and Brian touched on this a show, one of the sh other shows, is that when you look at a census record, just don't look at that page. Mm. Go to some pages before, go to some pages after, because nine times out of 10, family usually sticks together. And where you'll find one, you'll find another. So Definitely you, early family. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> when you can't find a particular person, if you found somebody in in let's say 1900, but you can't locate them in 1910. Go back to the 1900 census and see who was living. Find a neighbor or somebody and search that person. See if that person, where they show up in 1910, and then by process of elimination, you can find out if they're still neighbors or not. You know, so you just have to be, you know, sometimes you got to just be a little diligent with your search and just say, oh, I can't find them in 1910. Because if they were there in 1900 and they're not there in 1910 and then they're there in 1920, then they were there in 1910. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's just that, you know, in my case, I found a lot of relatives where for some reason, let's say they moved in with an in-law 
And it turns out that since the in-law was the head of household, that that everybody was listed under the in-law's name. So you have to be, you know, just little things like that, that you have to be really, you know, mindful of when, when, you know, when you're doing your research, oh, I can't find them. They're there. If they were there here and they were there, there, they're there somewhere in the middle. Chances are yeah. they are, you know, you just have to be, you know, you got to be a little bit patient and, and put on your thinking cap and, you know, like Brian and Donya always say, think outside the box. Mm-hmm. So um, Loretta, you have a, a site that you wanted to talk about and I'm getting ready to put it up. You tell yes. me which way to go and I will, I will direct it. I'm going to put it on solo, but you can still see it when I put it on solo, right? Uh, let me see. Well, I was just going to quickly say hello, Texas. Hello, Chicago. Hello, New York City. And a hello, Augusta, Georgia. We're getting people yes. from everywhere, everywhere today. Hey. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Yes. Can All you right. still, can, can you see it? I can see it, but it's small. But I'm, I'm going to pull it up on my computer. Um, this new site that I found the other day that I'm just absolutely in love with. I'm, I mean, it's just like having a newborn baby. So I give birth. I'm so excited. It's called, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called CSI Dixie. And don't even ask me how I found it because I'll be honest with you, I can't tell you. I was researching something else. This popped up and I says, oh, let me see what this is. And I opened it up and I was like, what a treasure trove of information. I've actually found some of um, our enslaved family members um, on there. And what it is, it's a website that uh, was created and it gives um, the deaths of slaves as well as free men and women. And it's very detailed. They have coroner's inquest. Um, They have witness records. They tell you how the person died, whether it was by murder, whether it was by hanging, whether it was by suicide, whether it was by accident, whether it was by a train, whether it was by a drowning. It's very, very detailed and very graphic. Mm. Very graphic in the sense that some of the stuff like you don't want to see, like mothers killing kids. You know, it's very, very graphic. But what's also interesting about it is, especially for some of the records where uh, concerning slaves, it lists a lot of times where that person lived, the plantation where that person lived. And if this particular person is somebody that you're looking for, knowing what plantation they worked on may be able to give you keys or guidelines to further your research. So it has a lot of detailed information, a lot of witness information, and it's just a wonderful site. I recommend go on it, and it's it's wonderful. And it's set up with... um, the counties in um, South Carolina, it's Anderson County, Edgeville County, Greenville County, Kershaw, Spartanburg, and Union. And, wow, um, I was I was um, going through it while you were while you were talking, and um, I like how it has everything set up in Bible names: Genesis, Numbers, Acts, yes. Judges. Yes. Chronicles, Exodus, and Revelations. It's mm-hmm. it's really deep. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go into this one. Wow. Yeah, it is nice. And and, and some of the most detailed in, information that you'll get, like um, from a slave that ran away, um, to uh, you know how they died. It's 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 like I said. It's almost like being. You could. It almost feels like you're being there. 
like you're part of the jury because the way they have the records set up, you can read the coroner's inquest and you can read the um, the testimonies of everybody who was involved, the, the people who were there, the witnesses. And for a lot of them who couldn't read or write, they put their mark, they put the X, you know, his mark, her mark, and this is their testimony of what happened. And you have a, a range of any type of crime that you can think of. Slave, you know, slave killing slave, slave master killing slave, wife killing husband, husband killing wife, mother killing kid, friend killing friend. Um, there's some KKK stuff in there with hangings. And like I said, it's very detailed. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on is, because I know we spent a lot of time talking about South Carolina in particular and the kind of colonial era. But it's also worth remembering, you know, the Deep South, Texas, the Midwest in particular, these didn't, these didn't, these weren't fully formed states, which means that they didn't have fully formed boundaries and, and uh, territories uh, in the early parts of their history. You know, th these, they, they came in, you know, they came in as territories. So again, boundaries are going to change, names of counties, names of parishes, names of everything is going to radically change from the time that they were territories until the time that they were formally introduced into the union as a state. And I guess I have a question for anyone who's from Louisiana. Louisiana is probably one of those states that I know the least about in terms in this regard. You know, I noticed I know it started off as a Spanish held territory, then it became mm -hmm. French, then it became mm -hmm. part of the United States. Mm -hmm. I would imagine in the and because it's kind of it really does predate the settlement of the eastern part of the United States. I would assume and I would imagine that the changes in again names of counties and parishes and post office districts and all the rest of it had to have changed pretty radically. So I mean if anyone has any kind of experience that they like to share, some tips that they like to share about Louisiana, I always feel guilty because I said when it comes to research, I've never researched in Louisiana. Um, and I'd just be interested to hear kind of um, how something like bound, how boundary lines would be a bit, little, maybe a little bit more tricky in Louisiana than other places. Right. So um, Teresa asked if we could give the link again. And I did. I just posted the link in the page. And um, hey, they removed the uh, little, what you call them thing that we had. So I just posted the link in the page. It's CSI Dixie. Dot org. Yep, I see um, it. I see it. You, you see it? I do indeed. Okay. All right, good. Okay, and I'm, I'm trying to think of what other sites I have. There's a couple other sites I have. Um, so I guess really this kind of goes, boils back to a point that I keep making. Genealogy is history. Genealogy and history are intertwined. And in the kind for me, it's always been the cool thing about doing this kind of research is I've learned more about America and the formation of America doing genealogy than I have any other way. So if you're, you know, if you're in Kansas or Missouri or Arkansas or wherever you are, by understanding the kind of the, what we're talking about today about boundaries really kind of makes you have to take a look at the formation of your state, the state that your ancestors lived in. Because um, that, again, it, you know, understanding that's going to hopefully improve your research and um, kind of give you fill in a little bit more gap about um, your ancestor or your extended ancestral family story. 
Yeah. So another um website we're going to share with you guys that helps with boundaries is called, and this one I just learned, just for those that don't know, I just got a job working with the Daughters of the American Revolution. When I tell you guys, I am right where I'm supposed to be. I am right where I'm supposed to be. It's an honor to be working there and just to be doing things. And I have learned so much. I started Monday and in this one week's time, I've learned so much stuff that is ridiculous. So now I'm getting ready to share one of the things that I've learned. This is a website called randymajors.com. Randymajors.com is a site that is just all about genealogy, how to research different things. But there's this one link on here called Historical U.S. County Boundaries. This particular link, and I'm going to it now. I hope you can see it. But this particular link allows you to type in the um, the city that your family may have lived in and then the year that you feel they were living in it. This is so awesome. So basically what I'm saying is what Deborah was saying that she had issues with Richmond County and, and all that other stuff. And I don't know why this is taking so long to open up, but I'm going to keep talking to y'all. Um, where it says about Richmond County and, uh, and, and and what whatever it was that she said. Basically, if she typed in the area that she felt like her family was living in and then typed in the name, I um, mean the year, it'll pull up the county that she was that that was actually in in existence at that time. This thing is awesome. I mean, it is unbelievably awesome. Now there's something, some things about this where if you do uh, type in a name, like let's say we typed in uh, I'm typing in Edgefield right now and then I'm typing in 1780. Now Edgefield wasn't in existence until 1785. So let's see what our uh, what it's going to say. What boundary it actually was during that time. Oh wait. I need to put South Carolina. My bad. <laughs> you have to put your city and state. So let me put Edgefield, South Carolina. Then hit go. So it says shows U.S. county boundaries near Edgefield, South Carolina as of January 1780. It states down at the bottom that uh, what is it say? Show complete county. Where is right. it? Right. Oh, it will show one that I it not it's not giving. It's just gonna give me Edgefield. Oh, hey, we've got oh. a viewer coming in from Hawaii. Hey, now. Hey. Well, the thing is, is that it's not gonna. Nothing is always perfect. But I'm telling y'all. I swear to y'all. That particular site is an awesome site because it breaks down your counties. It can help you find where what count where your person was living in, what the actual name of the county your person was living in. So it's called again randymajors.com. 
Um, I love it. And it, it, it has helped me a lot in working at uh, the DAR. And it's, uh, it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. So thanks, guys. All of the congratulations coming in. Wow. Hawaii. Woo. So Deborah, I mean, Loretta, Deborah left a message to you. She said, Loretta, can you do it in reverse to find out more about slave owners that may lead to information about my ancestors and to possible enslaved relatives? I still can't believe that I am not finding anything other than census and names for the people my ancestors enslaved. I'm sure my people weren't sitting there through history nice and innocent. I've never heard any references about post-Civil War activities involving my later ancestors. Wow. <laughs> um, I guess you could. We could try to do it in reverse. I mean, it's. I don't know. What, who who is her family? Who is who? Who is she specifically? Can she tell me who she specifically wants to research? I can tell you. De Deborah Deborah is out of Edgefield, and um, her family are Richardsons and Williams, and I mean, well, we don't have. She hasn't said Williams, but I know she has Richardson's, and those are the people that connect to the Williams family. Um, but so far, she's not finding any connection as far as enslaved people are concerned or anything like that. I don't know if Deborah is actually looking at the wills and the inventory list from the wills, depending on where it is, but those are other things that you can look at, and it could very well be possible that your family did not enslave anybody but, that's yeah. not yeah. Yeah. that's not a, um that's not anything new i mean that's it is it's a possible thing that your family just didn't enslave anybody not everybody were slave owners not all slave owners were white some were black some not were i mean Absolutely. we have to understand that it's a it's a mix of all different things that's going on in this particular time period our goal is to just really uh is to really just search them out, find it, and connect it. Now I think she's well, if, I can, if, if I can jump in for a hot minute. So one others one other source of information you can look for is if your anyone in your family or wider family were suing each other over people's estates. <clears throat> Especially, especially in the slavery era. I'm going to give you an idea of something that I'm working on at the moment. There was a Quaker who lived in Virginia, and it's called the, it's called Nor the Northern Neck. Uh, he uh, owned a plantation called Curls, which was an enormous plantation on the James River, um, not too far from Richmond. So he was a Quaker, and in 1772, in his will, he freed hundreds of enslaved people, hundreds of them. Now, I know that a lot of these enslaved people and their families are connected to my father's side of the family. Naturally, I wanted to try to find the list of all of his ensla the enslaved people who had been set free. Searched, searched, searched. Couldn't find their names anywhere. Found loads of documentation. People have written about it. Historians have written about it. Library of Virginia had written about it. Everyone. But I couldn't find any names of any specific enslaved people until I found a court case called Pleasant versus Pleasant, where some of his descendants were not happy that he was letting go a large part of their wealth. And lo and behold, there they were, an entire list, every enslaved person, 
90% of them had a rough year of birth. Some of them were grouped together in family groups. Different wills were being mentioned. Different court cases were being mentioned. But I got them all. The only way that I found that was by looking at a court case. Court cases are probably some of the court cases like that about someone's probate or estate is one of the most probably overlooked sources of genealogical information. Not only did I get all the names of the enslaved people, I finally got all of the names of John Pleasant's children because I looked at family trees that were wrong, looked at lineage books that just said he married a woman called Margaret Jordan, but that was it. They never, they actually never mentioned the kids that he had. This court case listed everything. So again, a lot of, in Virginia, just for those of you who are doing Virginia ancestry, they're called chancery cases, not court cases, chancery cases. But in South Carolina, North Carolina, straightforward court cases. And again, a lot of like the South Carolina, South Carolina State Archive, they have court listing of court cases. A lot of them are transcribed. North Carolina also has them. So again, um, in terms of Deborah's question, maybe another maybe another resource for you to look into. Yeah. Um, well, she also she she did give the listing of her of her family. She has Mims, um, Bones. Where are we? You Richardson, Price, Holder, and Winges. Oh, you should um, definitely look at the Edgefield Slave Book or the, yeah, the Edgefield yeah. Slave Records on Ancestry. Yeah, I was right. The and then the other, yeah. and the other thing is, is that she stated, she says that she is looking at wills, but all I have are names. My ancestors were slaveholders, but not large ones. The most listed are 40 slave owners by my ancestors. So, Deborah, here's the thing. You're not going to have a last name for the Black people. <laughs> it's just, you got you to gotta look for them if you if you have mems who have enslaved people, then those names that, that are popping up, you need to look for them as mems because that's the last name that they had. Mm -hmm. um, also, you're looking at the will, but are you looking at their inventory list afterwards? Because sometimes they're not listed in the will. They're listed in their probate records, like their inventory records, what they owned and things of that nature. So you also need to look into that stuff and you definitely in the inventory list because we were considered as property black people were considered as property during that time or african-americans however anybody wants to say it um were considered as property they're going to be listed with the cows and the silver and um and and the horses and and the other items that those people owned at the time so you have to look at the inventory list, not necessarily look at the will. Sometimes the will doesn't list the names. I can yeah. say yeah. mine um, in the Brooks line. Uh, Whitfield Brooks stated that he was given 29 slaves to his wife. He did not give their names. He did not say who they were and that he had to give them special gifts annually. He had, in other words, she had to take care of them. The only reason why I know their names is because his, his inventory sheet that listed all of the enslaved people matched the 1850 slave schedule when he died. So I actually have the names of all the people. And then I looked at the Edgefield slave record book 
And I looked and saw all of the names of the people that was passed on to his widow. There was a special memo for that. That's the reason why I know their names. Not necessarily because it was listed in the will. Definitely because it was listed in the inventory sheet. But again, because we we really have kind of covered this in the, the previous show, I would only suggest to you both her and Lakia Griffin, who's asked kind of a similar question, who was living near your family? Of you know, for for Deborah, if are you know, are there any black mims or mulatto mims living near your mims on the eighteen seventy census? That may give you a clue. You can start. You can start mapping on that one. Lakia, the same for you. We've gave, we gave so many resources in our previous show that talk about how to push beyond the 1870 census. Take a look at the land that your family was living on in 1870, and then start start researching. You know, if they were share, if they didn't own the land, the chances are they were sharecropping. They were sharecropping. If they were sharecropping, they were probably sharecropping for their form, former owner enslavers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start, you know, and start start digging into that family. But I kind of want to get this back onto to boundaries because the, these yeah. kind of things we re- we spent so much time last week, well, two weeks ago, the last show, kind of going over this. Yeah, um, and and that's what we want to do. And and the boundaries make a difference too because it could be that your family moved, and when they moved their enslaved people, they moved them right along with them. Mm-hmm. But because you don't know which direction. You know, the last place you saw them was in Edgefield, South Carolina. Um, and then the next time you see, you don't see them anymore. When in actuality, they were probably in Georgia. Let me say this: Augusta, Georgia, and Edgefield is thirty minutes away from each other. It's literally, it's like Maryland and D.C. It's, I mean, any state that you can think of that have two cities right beside each other. That's what it is. And there is a North Augusta, South Carolina, and then there's North Augusta, Georgia. It's a line, mm-hmm. Virginia Beach and Norfolk. Yeah. I actually lived on that line of Virginia Beach and Norfolk where I could put one foot in Norfolk and the other foot was in Virginia Beach. And I was there. So yeah. you got to look at those different things. But um, someone asked the question, Sandra Williams Bush, girl, you related to us? she um asked the question is the previous shows available to watch yes ma'am they are they are all available to watch from one to whatever number we're on right now at genealogy adventures on the youtube we do have a youtube channel as well you can also watch them from um, the Facebook page, there's a tab that's labeled videos, and you can see all of the videos right there on the on the YouTube channel. Also, it's my bad. There's also there's also a tab on the Facebook page that says GA Live. All of our videos are there. They're on the Geneal Genealogy Adventures WordPress website, uh, YouTube. It's YouTube.com/slash Genealogy Adventures. So, loads of places to see them. Yes, loads of places to see them. <laughs> so, um, go ahead, Brian. No, can I wasn't going to say anything. Can you hear yep, me? Yeah, no. we can hear. I can hear you. Go ahead, Lorraine. Okay. One thing, one, just one quick note. Um, with the young lady and the question that she had when you were talking about inventory, when you go through the inventory and if you can see the name in which some things were sold to other people, sometimes that slave being sold, they will take on a new name. 
They will take on mm-hmm. that new person's last name. So you're mm-hmm. no longer looking for Mims. You're looking for a Davis because this was sold to Mr. Davis. And we've had situations where, especially with our Suttles lines, where we have found out that a couple of them have flip-flopped between names. They were Williams. They were Suttles. They used both names. The, the slave mm-hmm. owner had one name. They were brought by somebody else, and they actually used both names. So when you re- when you go through the inventory, if it clearly states who purchased that inventory, you may be checking for your ancestor under now that person's name as well. Right. Yeah. Um, we have someone who y'all ready? Okay. So y'all know I, I get a chill when I say this name, but Miss Tammy Mackey just said that I guess her family is from Aiken and Augusta. And some of her last names are tricky. She said McDowell spelled M-C-D-O-W-L and, and then again spelled M-C-D-O-W-E-L and M-C-D-O-U-L confused. And then she says confusing. Well, let me just say this to you, Tam. First of all, you are definitely related to us coming out of that area. Secondly, you think the McDowell is confusing. Have you really looked at your last name, that Mackey? Mm-hmm. Because you guys come by M-C-K-E-E, M-A-C-K-E-Y, M-C-K-I-E. It is the most annoying surname that we have ever researched where the mm-hmm. three of us was on the phone and they talked me off the cliff because I was ready to jump. <laughs> oh, that's if, they, that, but that's if they actually kept the Mick part because some of them are actually keys. And yeah. that's key, K-E-Y-S and K-E-Y-E-S. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yes, let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, there were several times when they, talk, they talked me off a cliff because I was going. I was going over. And, um, yeah, from the Mackie name. But yeah. uh, you guys, this is this is awesome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you guys are are you know really putting your questions out there and and asking for all this stuff. And now Tammy laughing at me. I don't care, girl. That's what y'all fans <laughs> did. I, I don't care. Y'all y'all took me on a whole nother level. Yeah, that's because so, uh, I can't get anyone else brave enough to join me in researching the Matthew slash Mathis oh, maids. Yeah. Oh, and Matthias, no. and Matthias. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. It's because no. of the Mackies. He, he's on his own for that one. He could call us and he'll be like, I got this going on or I got that going on. We're like, okay, well, have you tried this? But for us to sit down, all three of us on the phone and tackle it, I'm not yes. doing it no more because I was too close to the edge from that one. I even, <laughs> I even went as far as getting on our family page and telling everybody, look, when we get this stuff done, leave that, leave that horizontal dance alone for a minute because it was too many kids and it was too many of the same names marrying each other at the same time. Exactly. Brunson, Harrison, Mackey, and Freeman. I do not like them. Mm-mm. They they blow <laughs> they blow me so no yeah. I love them but seriously speaking um it is a tra- it's, other- a tra- it's a challenging it's a challenging family to research a, yeah it is it is you <sighs> really have to be patient you really yes. really have to be patient yes. and and yes. to find like I was saying especially my my family I mean I have many families of choices that when I see them some days when I research I'm either suicidal or homicidal I'm not sure. <laughs> which one I am. But when I researched that Talbert family 
it mm. literally drives me up the wall because we have present day family members who spell their name differently. Differently. And we're talking yeah. first and second cousins come from the same grandmother, same grandfather. They will either spell it with a Tolbert or Talbert. Yeah. And just for the life of me, just don't understand why. And that's where you have to be patient. You can't get angry. You, you can't go to the cliff like Donya does. Uh <laughs> yeah, because I've been at the cliff a couple of times. They know. Oh, oh goodness. But I, I can't say too much about the cliff because I'm like the cliff when I do the Holloways. I am literally on the edge. I, I, I have to take some type of medication or something because I just it's it's just terrible. It's it's terrible. Yep. But I'm gonna say there's also a really good question about railway lines. So I'm gonna say I, I haven't I haven't seen an incident instance sorry not incident instance where a railway line has affected um the records that I can find. But there's basically uh, Clarissa was saying that her ancestor worked for the railways. Railways actually had their own kind of death records. Um, I'm gonna try to um I found them on Ancestry. I think that there is a there is a, a website. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to find it for you. But the railways kept excellent records about all of their workers, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of ethnicity. And I can, it's called the the Railway Board Death Records. That's what it's called. Um, you may very well find that a really really useful resource to um to use. But I will try to find the link for you. Okay. Good. So as as um I'm going through this, Phil from Phil from Philly Logan, he has Palmores. Yes, I connect to the Palmores. I'm familiar with them. I'm not gonna say I'm very familiar with them, but I'm familiar. Matter of fact, let me let me clear something up. All three of the people that you guys see up here are family. We're all related. Um several times over in some instances, in most instances, several times over. We all have Palmores and we all connect to them in one way or another via marriage or by, um, by, by blood. blood. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I have them both by blood and by marriage, as a matter of fact. Uh, then, let me see, Lavinia Owens, she said, you ready for this, Brian? Mm-hmm. Her family is Oots, Oots, and Durst in Edgefield County. Your family? You are definitely family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Philip made a uh, comment about the Talberts. He also says he has some information about the Mathis. So you or Matthias. So you, you and he may want to um, talk. So it looks like everybody's kind of given all of those different names that they come with. You got Stephanie who says her Borum name spells B-O-R-A-M, B-O-U-R-A-M, B-O-R-U-M. She feels the pain. And um, Barbara Elam says that she, she says, my family members spell their name T-A-L-B-E-R-T. Barbara, you do know that they are also T-O-L-B-E-R-T because that's what Loretta was talking about as far as the name changes and stuff like that. And then my beautiful cousin Jackie, she told me stop talking about her family. So <laughs> and she knows, and we're laughing, and and it's and it's it's always out of love because it's it's my family too. And um 
Well, I was going to say, I was going to say the the other challenge with, you know, spelling variations are hard enough to kind of get a handle on and to keep track of. But again, when we're specifically talking, I guess, about kind of on um, the enslaved part of our family as well, who are being moved here, there, and everywhere. Um, a lot of time, you know, you can you can get a sense of something when you're looking at a record. You're expecting to find someone in Edgefield, and then all of a sudden they're popping up in Abbeville. You know, you are going to take a couple of hot minutes to go, is this the same family? Are we, you know, are these two families even related, especially if one starts calling themselves Talbert instead of Tolbert? So again, you know, in terms of genealogy and boundaries and understanding where everyone was and how people move from one place to another, yeah, the inconsistent, the the differences in spellings just adds that little extra bit of flavor to the the whole kind of experience. Mm -hmm. So um, as I'm going through these things, I I think, um, Brian, you you guys and Loretta, we're going to have to talk to Phil from Philly. Mm-hmm. Because well, I'm gonna have to say on the on, if he can hold off, if you can give me a week, because I'm yeah. still wrapping. I'm wrapping up on a huge kind of Virginia genealogy thing at the moment. Um, yeah, it's gonna pretty much take me a week to kind of crack the back of. So yeah, a like week said, would be best for all of us because I'm yeah. still trying to get myself acclimated into the DAR, so I've kind of blacked off um, of the certain researchers just messing with the tree right now. But um, just to say why I said that, Brian, he -hmm. says, I think I'm in there with all three of you. Palmore, Gaskin, Hamilton, Talbert, and ready for this? Yeldell, I've seen it. Yeldell. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm running from him. him. Phil, my tree is public um, on Ancestry. It's called Genealogy Adventures slash DNA Adventures. You can find me under my member name, Brian Sheffy, all one word. Um, it's a huge tree, a lot of different Edgefield families that I'm, that I'm, that Johnny, that all three of us here today, we're all related to them or descend, you know, descended from them. There's a heck of a lot of Matthews and Mathises in there. So if there's anyone that you spot, that you, you know, family group that you recognize, like I said, if you can just give me kind of a week, but if you'd like to send me an, an instant message on Facebook or something, would love to hear from you. Yeah, he says you have the week. He's patient. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm running from him personally because he's also related. He he um because Barbara let him know that she saw some Palmores related to Holloways. We already know that. Mm-hmm. And um, you have no idea, Phil. You it's over two hundred surnames connected to you right now. Yeah. If you relate mm-hmm. to these people, you you relate to well more, way more, boy. Um, <laughs> it's a whole, whole lot. So, uh, yeah. Um, but again, because I don't know if this has actually been touched on, but I get, this would be a really good time to talk about it. Sometimes when we're dealing, when we're speaking with kind of our cousins, um, especially uh, newbie DNA cousins, we're like, well, my family was in Abbeville. Again, kind of understanding the formation of that part of South Carolina, how it all came out of the old 96, which was cribbed out of parts of even earlier, as we were saying, Bark, you know, Barkley County. Your family is far larger than Abbeville. Your family is far larger than Newbury, Edgefield. You know, what if, that's where your family may have ended up over the last, say, 50 or 60 years. But previous to that, you have to look at that, that bigger picture understand how people were moving back and forth and how those, those boundary, the, you know, those, those 
imaginary lines kind of shaped your family's history and the movement of people from one place to another. Yes. So, guys, it is 501. Mm. And our our show has been great once again. Without you guys, without the um, people viewing it, we would not be. Um, The comments were great. The questions were awesome. Loretta, it was so great having you on the show with us. It was. And maybe one day we got to get all this, all four of us together. You know, just all four of us just talking about research, if that's a possible thing. Um, so, yes, Loretta, thank you so much You're for welcome. being a part of the show. Absolutely. So we have a very, very special show coming up um, in yes. two weeks time. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Um, we're going to do the big reveal next week. I'm so excited about this show. So excited about the special guests that we have on. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, it's a bit of a cheap shot, but, you know, drama 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 um but yet in all seriousness it is going to be an awesome show Um, also yeah and also we want to let you know that these are going to be the last two shows before we go into our little hole for about a month because during the month of september brian and i have some things that are happening that just doing the show at that point is not going to be feasible so that's our break time but then get ready for season two because we already got people lined up for season two, and it's going to be awesome. We have some great people that are going to talk with us. Um, we're going to be touching on the, in season two, well, we'll talk about that when we get to the end of this season. But nevertheless, yes, thank you guys so much for being a part of the show. Um, I'm Donya. I'm Brian. And I'm Loretta. All right, you guys have a great day. See you. See you next time. This time, next time. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.